I don't preach too long. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7-12. through 12. This is the Word of the Lord. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. This is the Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that through the reading, but especially through the preaching of the Word, that You would enlighten our hearts, that You would convince us of the truth, convict us of the truth. That you would give us listening ears even amidst a tiring week. And that we would, as Paul says in Romans 10, hear the voice of Christ through the voice of the preacher. That we would trust that it is you speaking to us and your words are true. And that in Jesus Christ, we might find infinite love bestowed upon us. We ask all this in his name. Amen. Sean White, who we're, once again, we're all trying to be Sean White this week. Sean White is a multi-Olympic champion snowboarder. And uh, he was asked, what goes on in your mind right before you go through an Olympic run? It's a very good question. Of all the things that would go through his mind, here's what he says. Here's what goes goes through my mind. I say to myself, at the end of the day, who cares? What's the big deal? I'm here. I'm going to try to do my best. And then I'm going to go home and my family will be there. Even though the whole world is wrapped up in this, who cares? Do you see what Sean's saying? Amidst everything going on there and amidst the whole world wondering if he's going to be enough. He says, you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Because when I go back home... Love is waiting for me. Belonging, embrace, is waiting for me. And isn't that part of the reason why you came on this trip? Isn't that part of the reason why you're even at the college that you're at? Desiring a community of love, belonging, and embrace. You see, this is what the community of Christ is meant to be. A community of love, a community of belonging, a community of embrace. And that's what John is is writing to us here in his text. He actually says in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So John, who's also the author of the Gospel of John, he wrote the Gospel of John to say, why, why did he write that? So that you might know that Jesus is the Savior. Now he's writing 1 John so that you might know that Jesus has saved you. So in other words, here's what John is showing us tonight. 
that when you know the love of Christ, you will inevitably show the love of Christ. Amen? Amen. Come on now, I'm going to keep you awake. I'll preach right there. When you know the love of Christ, you will inevitably show the love of Christ. That's what we're going to see in this text tonight. First off, love is commanded to Christians. Secondly, love is communicated to Christians. Thirdly, love is the culture of Christians. First, look back in verses 7 through 8. Don't close your Bible, because who cares what I say? It only matters if what the Word of God says, and it's true. Look at verse 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Love is commanded to Christians. The action that John gives us is that if you are a Christian, you are to love other people. Here's what love is not. You ready? Love is not earned. Love, not according to the world, love is not only affirming someone. Love is also not never challenging someone. Love is not only tough love. Love is definitely not just the feels. Love is also not this. What a lot of the world says today, well, love is love. Love is not falling in love. Love is not just a personality type. And love is certainly, definitely, absolutely not this. I love you because of the way you make me feel about myself. That is not love. What is love? Love is giving yourself to someone for their good, even and especially when it comes at great cost to yourself. Do you hear that? What is love? Love is giving yourself to someone for their good, for their eternal good, even if it comes at great cost to yourself. That is biblical love. Come on now. We're going to be eating some pizza here now. Now look. Love is not telling someone to come to you. It's going to them even when they don't come to you. Love is never separated from truth, just like truth is never separated from love. What John is saying when he says, Beloved, let us love one another, he is saying that this type of love is always to be present. It's ongoing, even and especially when it's difficult. John does not put a little asterisk or or footnote to this and says, well, love one another when it's easy. No, no, no. Love one another. Especially to the hypocrites. Because, by the way, welcome to the club. We are hypocrites. Amen? Amen. When John says to love one another, he uses this very famous word, and you've heard it, agape. But what does agape mean? Here's actually what the Greek word means. It means deep affection for someone. It means in the truest sense of the, of the term, to be intimate with someone. It's actually the same word that is used in John 17 when Jesus describes the love of the Father for himself. That is the type of love we're talking about. We're talking about biblical love. We're talking about God-like love. And so when John tells us to love one another, we should love one another and be a community of love in such a way that when people see us, they should say, That reminds me of something of what the God of the Bible is like. That's the type of love he's talking about. Why should we love one another, John? 
Well, he says this. First off, look at it. For love is from God. We love one another because love is from God. I got a southern accent. Come on. Come on now. Now, if I got a southern accent, you can probably tell where I'm from, right? That's what accents, that's the whole point. That's not a trick question, by the way. That is the whole reason. Your accent shows you where you're from. Now, love shows that we are from God. So when, when we gather as Christians, when we love in a biblical way, it shows that we're actually from God and we're not truly hypocrites. Love is from God. That actually is a, if we can take a side note for a second, when you see biblical love, when you see true love, it actually goes very much against evolution. Evolution is the idea that it is the survival of the fittest, the strongest survive. But what is love? Love is actually sacrificing yourself for the weak. Here's a question. If evolution is true, how in the world did love get here? Love has an origin. Love is from God because God is love. Love is also a very good apologetic, we could say. Some of you might say, well, I'm not going to believe in God. Kind of like what Caleb talked about. I, I don't believe in God because I don't see God. Well, here's the thing. Can you see actual love? You, you can see people show love. You can see the effects of love, but you can't see love in and of itself. But everyone in here believes in love. Testimony of God. Love is from God. John is saying we should love one another because it shows that we are indeed from God. Secondly, here's why we should love one another. We should love one another because it shows that we are born of God. Whoever loves has been born of God. Y'all saw Knox. He's a weird little dude. Right? Y'all, y'all, will preach. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Man, total depravity right there. Um, Y'all see Knox, and for better or for worse, he has uh, the DNA of his mother and unfortunately his father. Uh, He'll have to deal with that in his later years. Um, But here's the thing. When you see little bitty Knox, you might see what he looks like. You might see his personality type. You might see some of the things he does. And you're like, man, that reminds me of his daddy. Or man, that reminds me of his mama. His mama's way better, by the way. But it shows who he's been born from. Right? When we become Christians, we receive new spiritual DNA. And when we love in a biblical way, it shows that we've actually been born again. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 3. That to become a Christian means not that you just pray a prayer or that you just make a decision. It means that there is a spiritual birth that happens in you. Because Ephesians 2.1 says that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Y'all seen Monty Python, the Holy Grail? I use his illustration all the time. Y'all know, y'all know when the guy's like ringing the, the gong or whatever, and he's like, bring out your dead! You know? And the guy laying over his shoulder, he's like, I'm not dead yet! Um, that's not you. Uh, you're dead. You're either dead or you're not dead. There's no in-between, right? It's not, like, it's not like Princess Bride either, if I can do another movie, where you're like almost dead. No, no, no. Here's the thing. You were born in sin. You are dead. You are spiritually cut off from the Lord. So for you to become a Christian, a miracle has to happen. Amen? Amen. And it is all of grace. And when we love, we show that it is not under our own power. It's by the power of God that we love each other.
Thirdly, love, why we love, it shows that we know God. Name this movie. Santa! I know him. Come on now, I'm going to keep you awake. Yeah. Okay, does Buddy the Elf not live in light of Santa? Uh, yes, it's crazy. Spoiler alert, people find out he's real. Uh, you've, had, you've had enough time. Uh, here's the thing. When we love, we actually show that we know the God of love. Here's what John is also saying. If you say that you're a Christian, but you do not love in a biblical way, stop fooling yourself. If you say that you're a Christian... It means that you see the infinite love of Christ and you cannot help but show that love. It's not perfect, but it will flow through you. That's what John is saying, what it means to be a believer. Why is that? Why is it the case? In verse 8, here it is. The verse that is so often quoted, but often quoted out of context. Because God is love. If I have one goal for you tonight is that you would know in Jesus Christ that there is infinite, unchanging, covenantal, unbreaking love for you. You think way too small of God's love for you. Even in your best moment when you think you're doing so well and you think, man, I feel like I know the love of God, you don't know an ounce of it. You know like one little grain of sand compared to all the sand in all of creation. God loves you way more than you can ever imagine. Amen? Amen. And He doesn't do it because you earned it. He is love. Here's what this means. When God places His love upon you, He does not give you a percentage of it, a portion of it. God is not like this. Caleb, didn't you say you used to do the t-shirt cannon? Come on, man. Here we go. Guess what God does not do? When you become a Christian, He's like, here's some love for you. And He just sits back. Here's what happens. When God loves you, He says, I'm giving myself to you. God is infinite. So when He says He gives His love to you, He gives infinite love to you. God is not a needy God. God is not sitting back like some of us do to other people when we say, I'm not going to love you until you do something for me. God is not doing that with you. God is saying, I'm giving my whole self to you, especially when you don't deserve it. That, my friends, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that's the way God loves us, then why, do we often, why are we often so needy in our relationships? And we sit back and we say, here's the line. I'm not crossing that. I'm going to wait till you come to me. That is not biblical love. You see... Paul prays in Ephesians 3, verse 18 through 19. Paul's praying that the love of God, he's saying, is so great that I'm praying that you might have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You don't want to know what heaven is like? That's what Jonathan Edwards says. Heaven is a world of love. And that when you get into heaven, you will spend that day and you will think, there's no way I could possibly know more of the love of God than I am today. And you know what will happen? You'll wake up the next day and you'll say, there's no way I'm going to know the love of God greater than I am right now. And it's going to keep getting better and better and better and better. Infinite love. Because God gives himself to you. Amen? Amen.
That's why we're commanded to love. When we know the love of Christ, we show the love of Christ. Love is commanded to Christians. Love is also communicated to Christians. Look at verses 9 through 10. In this is love. Uh, excuse me. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. The tension. In this is love, not that the, uh, excuse me, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His only Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Love is communicated to us. We're commanded to love each other, but how are we to love each other? In what manner? Well, in the same manner in which God has loved us. That's the model. It's not this. Often the world says today, well, I can't love other people until I love myself. That is not biblical love. You cannot love other people until you know the love of God for yourself. Matter of fact, here's what Christianity is. Christianity is literally a religion that takes you out of yourself and makes you look outward. This whole self-love culture that we have today I'm telling you, and I'm using this word and as it's originally meant, it is damning people's souls because we build up this tower of Babel to self and we tell everyone else, we say, this is my kingdom. You better come to me and bow down to me and I'm not going to love you until you and I love myself first. But God says this, die to yourself. Look at the love that I have for you. And it's, here's what's actually interesting. <laughs> If everyone in here is always and only focused on loving self, no one's going to be loving each other. But if everyone is focused on on looking at Christ and looking outward, then everyone loves each other and everyone gets love. You see that? We have to look to the love of Christ to love people. You see, when we are born again, the Holy Spirit takes away the mirror of self-obsession and he gives us a spotlight. He takes away the mirror of self-obsession. And he gives us a spotlight. And you know where that spotlight goes? Jesus. And we show everyone who he is because that is love. God reveals his love to us. How does he reveal his love to us? He reveals his love to us first off by sending his only son. When it says only son, actually, if I can nerd out with you for a second, it actually, uh, this word only is the word, Greek word monogenes, which is begotten. Maybe you've heard the old John 3.16 translation, for God so loved the world that he sent his what? Only begotten son. What does begotten mean? Begotten means to be of the same nature. Now follow me here. Watch this. What John is saying is that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is of the same nature as the Father. Now watch this. When the Father, how He's going to show His love to you, here's how He's going to do it. He's going to send His Son, who is of the same nature of infinite love, to you. How much does God love you? He loves you so infinitely that He gives Himself to you. Amen? Amen. That's love. He sends His only begotten Son to us. He doesn't give us just the scraps. He gives us Himself. As John Piper says, God himself is the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that you get 
God. Here's one of the things that that means. If the greatest act of love is this, that God has sent his son to the world, what is the greatest act of hate? Rejecting him. God has given you infinite love in Jesus Christ. And to look at that and say no, frankly, is crazy. It's crazy enough for totally depraved sinners to do. God shows his love for us by giving himself to us, by giving his son to us. But secondly, he shows his love to us, not only just giving his son, but giving his son so that we might live. God doesn't wait for us to ask for it. He doesn't wait for us to even just feel bad enough for our sin. He doesn't wait for us to move towards him. God moves towards us. This is the exact opposite of cancel culture today. This is compassion culture. The world is promoting a cancel culture. And what the world is doing, and this is often how we treat others, is that I, 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 remember, I remember watching this with Henry Ruggs. And I know Henry Ruggs has recently gotten in trouble. But I remember when Henry Ruggs, a wide receiver from Alabama who went to the Raiders, I remember when he ran his 4-2-40. And someone sarcastically tweeted, but there was truth in it. They sarcastically tweeted, well, now it's time to dig up his Twitter past from 10 years ago to figure out how we can make him slide from the first round to the seventh round. The guy was being sarcastic, but this is what the world's doing to us all the time. And maybe you're doing this to each other. It's that you're saying, don't you ever forget what you did first semester of uh, your freshman year. I know what happened that Saturday night. I know what happened that time when you, when you stayed over at his house or at her, at her house. And what we do is we take people's sins like it's just a shameful mistletoe and we just dangle it over their head the whole time. Do you want to know why the world is constantly pursuing lifestyle after lifestyle after lifestyle after lifestyle with no rest? It's because they have not experienced this love. We long for this love. Love that forgives. Love that shows compassion. Love that helps us live in light of Christ. Not constantly walk around thinking, ah, I'm just hoping that this person will not finally find out what I did three or four years ago. Jesus says in Matthew 5.44, love your enemies. Not love your enemies when they have the same values as you. He just says love them. You see, some of us in this room, we have canceled family members. We've canceled friends. We've canceled teachers. We've canceled coaches. Or we've canceled pastors merely because we disagree with them. But is that really biblical love? See, love in RUF. Love in RUF is a place where people, where anyone can come and they can find real, true forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Some of you have found that. Some of you are dying to know that. We live, we have life in the name of Christ. It's in Him. And that means that we cannot love without being alive. Well, how are we going to come alive? It's because of Christ. That means this. Love absolutely never, ever, 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 ever happens when we emphasize something more than Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Do not forget this. Harold St. Bell, a Lutheran pastor, says this, There is no lasting healing in human empathy. 
It's a startling statement. We're all about empathy today, and we should be. But wait till he finishes. There is no lasting healing in human empathy. It might relieve some symptoms for a while, but genuine healing comes from God by means of His Word. We show empathy towards each other because we want to show the love of Christ. But love is not this saying. Preach the gospel if necessary, use words. That is not true. The gospel is words. Love is words. When we show true empathy towards someone, we don't merely just relate to them. We show them Christ, who actually is way better at being empathetic than we are. It's actually what Hebrews 4.15 says. That we have a great high priest who is able to relate to us in every single way, yet without sin. He moves towards you in love. Listen, over 50 years ago, Donald Gray Barnhouse, who was the pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philly. Anyone from Philly in here? Well, all right, there we go. Uh, you're not from Philly. I know you. Um, <laughs> I, I know your dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, woo. <laughs> no, actually, um, that's not true. Oh, here we go. Donald Gray Barnhouse, the pastor of 10th Presbyterian, over 50 years ago, he said this. He speculated what it might look like if Satan took over the town or city of Philadelphia. Listen to this. He said, here's what it would look like. If Satan took over Philadelphia, all the bars would be closed. Pornography would be banished. Clean streets would be filled with cleaned up people who always smiled at each other. There would be no swearing and the children would always say, yes, sir, and no, ma'am. And lastly, the churches would be full every Sunday. But Christ would not be preached. What good is it? Listen to me. What good is it if our love does good deeds, produces communities where people can belong, pursues justice, is patient when people mess up, and gathers hundreds of students? What good is that love if we do all those things, but Christ is not central? Do you hear that? The Bible is saying you cannot love unless you know the love of Christ. It's when you know the love of Christ and show the love of Christ, that's real love. Christ is central. That's why we do RUF. God shows His love to us, not because we loved Him first, but because He decided to place His love on us. I mentioned this earlier. God's not a needy God, and that's incredible Good news. You see, God does not love you because you first loved Him, but also this, God does not keep loving you because your love is somehow good enough for Him. Isn't that amazing? God loves you eternally and infinitely, especially in your worst moments, even the moment that you're thinking about right now. Fourth, God shows His love for us that He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our Sins. What does that word propitiation mean? It means this. It means it's a wrath-absorbing sacrifice on our behalf. Romans 3 says that everyone has sinned. And sin is not a neutral thing. Sin makes God angry. And His wrath is shown, Paul says in Romans 1, His wrath is shown towards sin. How much does God love you? 
He sends his son to step in the place where we were supposed to be and take the wrath of God for us. Amen? Amen. Come on now. When you look up at the cross, you can say with Paul in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is love. That's identity. You see, isn't this what our campus has longed for? Isn't this what our world longs for? It's not the way of the world that just says, always only remember your sins. It is good news where you can say, come, find rest and forgiveness and reconciliation and peace. We show the love of Christ when we know the love of Christ. Thirdly, love is the culture of Christians. John brings us to a conclusion here in verses 11 through 12. Look at it again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. In other words, what's the conclusion when we know the love of Christ? It's to show the love of Christ. That's why in RUF, one of our goals is fellowship and service. We put a very big emphasis on on community and belonging and, and fellowship. Why? Well, because that's what the gospel does. And an effect of the gospel is producing loving communities. And we should always have that as one of our goals, one of our core goals. Martin Luther says this, Love is to instruct people who go astray, to comfort those who are afflicted, to raise up those who are weak, to help your neighbor by all means possible, to bear with their infirmities, to endure troubles, labors, ingratitude, contempt in the church, and to be, listen to this, and to be patient at home with an argumentative spouse or unruly family. Let me add to this definition of love. Love is forgiveness of sins rather than endless shaming. Love is being gentle when someone is harsh. Love is praying for your enemies. Love is turning the other cheek. Love even happens when we're uncomfortable or when it's awkward. Love is sharing the gospel with others. Love is bringing biblical truth to others in compassion. Love is going on a grace hunt with people before you go on a sin hunt. When people come into our large groups, and when we see them, is the first thing we think about them and the first thing we begin to talk about with others are the ways in which they've messed up that weekend? Or are we more ready to go on a grace hunt with them? That's biblical love. It's when we love in this biblical way that we show people the invisible God. That's why it's an apologetic. And what effect does this have? First off, John says two things. It reaches us inwardly and it reaches people outwardly. John says, look at it at the very end of verse 12, his love, it perfects us. It changes us. You see, there's no such thing as a loving community that is not also a community that is growing in Christ-likeness. Because when we show the love of Christ... People reflect the love of Christ. It reaches inward. It also reaches outward. Jesus says in John 13, 35, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Whew, how about that? Jesus says this. 
Here's how people are going to know whether you are a Christian. If you have love for one another. You see, this is what the world longs for. Peter Diamandis, who is a CEO and he's named by Fortune Magazine as uh, one of the top 50 world leaders today. He says this, he says, I talk to CEOs all the time and I say, listen, the day before something is truly a breakthrough, it's a crazy idea. If it wasn't crazy, it's not a breakthrough. It's an incremental improvement and that's it. So where inside of your companies are you trying crazy ideas? Isn't the gospel a crazy idea? That the creator of all people, of all things, that he would decide to take on flesh to die for his people. Isn't that crazy? And that he would not say, earn it, but he would give it. And then he would send out those people, not people who have lives put together, but people who have slept around, people who have gotten hammered, people who have gotten high, might even be very high right now, people who are gossiping. Hey, that's for real. We know where we are. Look, you know your sins. And some of you cannot wait till heaven when you can finally forget about them. But the gospel of Jesus Christ says, we'll take the worst of the worst and we will embrace them. That's a crazy idea, but it's also the biggest breakthrough in the history of the world. Amen? Amen. That's the reason why it survives. It survives because the world does think it's crazy, but it's powerful by God. When we know the love of Christ, we will show the love of Christ. On November 13th, like this past year, Mike Perdue was one of four people killed in a small plane crash near Michigan's Beaver Island. There was only one survivor in the crash, and it was Mike's 11-year-old daughter, Lainey. When Miss Perdue, Mike's wife and Lainey's mom, when Miss Perdue heard about the crash, she rushed to the hospital to see her daughter. She said, Lainey told me in the hospital, listen to this. Lainey told me in the hospital that her last memory is that her dad just grabbed her and held her really, really tight. And in my heart, I know that protected her. And in fact, that did protect her. Because when that plane crashed and because of her father's loving embrace, she was only injured on one side of her body because she was being embraced by her father on the other side. When the plane was, was going down, the father was not thinking first and foremost about himself. He was thinking about his daughter. Here's what's happening in life, in all of everyone's life right now. The plane is going down. Adam brought all of us into this. Sorry if your name's Adam, not you. The first Adam brought us all into this. But all of us are on that plane. And it is heading in towards God's wrath. And you have two options. Either lean into the embrace of Jesus Christ. Or dare to face it yourself. But when you lean into that embrace of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And when you know that truth, here's what happens. And I've seen it happen. Now all of a sudden, when other people's planes in their life are going down, you decide to hug them so that you can help them. Amen? Amen. That's what the gospel does. That's what love is. And when we know the love of Christ... We show the love of Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that by your grace and by your mercy that you would write this word on our hearts and that you would send us forth knowing, banking, that your love for us in Jesus Christ is infinite. 
And Father, I pray that for those who do not know the love of Christ, that they would just believe, knowing that there's grace and mercy and forgiveness and cleansing in Him. May this gospel that we've preached all week send us forth into the spring semester. And may we truly see genuine renewal and revival of the gospel in our campuses. We ask all this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.